0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended splendid tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently to get a taste of what they're truly all about. You can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. Moondog and
0: go, decision day for the NCAA tournament. We kind of know what the results are going to be already, at least as far as who's hosting and who's not. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mississippi State no longer a national seed, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. This is Sports Sunday, not Home Talk USA with Michael King, the Cajun Contractor.
1: What were we last week? I don't remember. It wasn't that. It was a different home show. So there's multiple home shows multiple that we can be. Shows. I'm not sure which one that was. Though. Okay. Well, at least the name Michael is right. We, we've got uh, there. There is
0: one portion that is correct, but no, this is not Home Talk USA with Michael King, the Cajun contractor. Although here's a little home tip advice for you. Um, I have I've done a lot of clearing of trees and bushes along my back fence. It was just overgrown and hadn't been touched for years. And I've noticed that there's there's vines and weeds and all that stuff that comes back every spring and summer. I used to use just a regular weed killer, and those same weeds end up coming back. It's a little bit more expensive. Get a brush killer. I I know that you know it's not meant for just ground weeds and vines and stuff. Get your brush killer because once I've used it,
1: gone. Just Is that gone. the thing it's with perfect. like the rubber thing that spins really fast? And cut stuff, or is that no? A, that's like no, that's a
0: that's a uh, bush hog uh, is what
1: you're thinking of. No,
0: right. it's a spray. It's a it's a, a poison. It's just stronger. It's more expensive, but it's stronger. And I've noticed that in the spots that I've used it, it's not coming back. So there is your home gardening tip advice for the day. Uh, I am Michael Borky, not Michael King. He's Stephen Gagliano, and it is good to be with you. We've got a ton to get to, obviously. Uh, the SEC tournament is coming to an end today, but for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it is over. So what what can we take away from the SEC tournament? Ole Miss pitched it extremely well. What does that mean? Anything at all? What, How do you evaluate this week? And then on the Mississippi State side of things, they got run-rolled twice and went 0-2 for their early exit. Does that mean anything at all going into this weekend? We'll talk about that. Southern Miss... Sadly, ha- had an opportunity to, to be a host. They just had to beat Louisiana Tech and get to the CUSA Championship and could not get it done. They were walked off twice yesterday, and uh, sadly, Southern Miss will be likely be on the road somewhere, but we'll find out later on. We'll also talk about the Bryson-Phil Mickelson-the-match situation. We are now inside of 100 days Until college football season, Aaron Rodgers is hanging out in Hawaii, and apparently a buddy of his got punched in the face while he was there. I didn't know that, so Stephen will have to tell us more about that later on. We've got some kickoff times announced and stuff like that. All kinds of stuff coming your way. But I want to start with this. Yesterday, I saw a lot of coach criticism and... Honestly, I didn't like what I what I saw. And you're probably thinking, Borky, what kind of hypocrite are you? Because I know you sit up here every Sunday during football season criticizing coaches. I do. Spent a lot of time this baseball season talking uh, about one in particular. I remember after the Auburn game for Ole Miss. Not baseball, but Auburn and Ole Miss football in Oxford where... The Auburn kicker-turner clearly touched the ball, and Ole Miss recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown that probably wins them the game. But SEC officials are, at best, extremely incompetent, and Ole Miss ended up losing that game. But, Stephen, you may remember this. I sat here this morning saying everybody's focused on that call. It doesn't matter if the game is coached better. It doesn't matter if you play Matt Corral the entire game or don't kick conservative when you're up one score, with five minutes left in the game instead of running three times up the middle with John Rice Plumley, I'm not afraid to criticize coaching when it is warranted. But two instances yesterday that I saw that I actually I don't agree with the criticism. First of all, Ole Miss lost by one to Arkansas yesterday, but when this happened, it was a two-to-nothing game. Ole Miss had runners on first and second, nobody out, and a 3-2 count to Hayden Dunhurst. Ole Miss decides to send the two runners. Dunhurst swings at ball four. Definitely would have been ball four. He swings at it, and Ole Miss gets thrown out at third. And I saw the same thing that you always see. Oh, this is Bianco ball again, and what a terrible call, and ran yourself out of the game and stuff like that. In sports, it happens in every sport, but especially in baseball, just because the result was bad doesn't mean the decision was bad. Football is a little bit... I mean, football, a good call usually leads to a good result. Not always, but more often than baseball. Baseball is just this sport of chance and percentages and stuff like that. When you consider who was on first base and who was hitting, there is absolutely nothing wrong at all. Nothing wrong with Mike Bianco sending runners on first and second in a full count with nobody out. Because you have Tim Elko on first base, and I don't know if you guys knew this, he's playing on a torn ACL. He can't move very well. He moves better than I would move on a torn ACL, but he does not move very well. So getting him in motion in particular would... Eliminate the opportunity at a double play ball. So you would have a runner on third with one out if Dunhurst hits the ball on the ground. And Dunhurst is a really disciplined hitter. Very disciplined hitter. If you just look at average, you think, oh, he's only a three hundred hitter. Well, no, he's very disciplined. Does not strike out very much. It just so happens in this situation, he swung at ball four. Something that he does not do very often. The result of that call should have been Bases loaded, nobody out. But Dunhurst swung at ball four. He's a disciplined hitter. He hits to contact. You put Elko in motion to avoid a double play. Absolutely fine with that decision. The result being bad doesn't mean the decision was bad. Sometimes that just happens. And sometimes you lose to the number one team in college baseball when you're throwing guys that a lot of fans have never heard of before. And then same thing with Southern Miss last night. I I am not going to tell you that they didn't kind of choke an opportunity away because, I mean, a couple of texts here. One, well, USM blew that golden opportunity. A shortstop to pitch with a regional host spot on the line. Can't believe I watched all of that for Barry to put a shortstop in. Another one says, we were awful yesterday, just embarrassing. I'm not going to tell you that your team did not – Blow it because they did. When you're up eight runs, you should win that game. But how? I mean, how much pitching do you think these teams have? Even Southern Miss, who's got a really deep pitching staff. I mean, what other options are there that you know are better? At, at, at this point
1: in tournament play, you're kind of down to nothing. Especially the way that they've been having to play games. They ended a game the other day at what? Like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Had to turn around and play the next day. So, I mean, this is a very unique situation. And you only have so many pitchers. Right. And so, I again, I don't shy away from criticizing
0: coaches. I, I think in this situation, blaming Scott Berry for this, I, I think, is wrong. I, I think your team sadly just... They just lost in a heartbreaking way, twice, two heartbreaking ways. It's awful. It sucks. Win one of those two games and you're possibly hosting a regional in Hattiesburg. But I just, I don't think that Scott Berry pulled the wrong strings. I think his team just got beat by another really good team. And and it just it happens, it sucks. It's really hard. It's frustrating. But when you're at this point, well, how many arms? How many arms you got? How many better options are there? Ole Miss this week. That the story of Ole Miss this week is the fact that you've got a bunch of guys that are unreliable that shockingly performed better than expectations. It's not as simple as, well, just put in a different guy. Well there's a reason the different guy hasn't pitched yet this week it's it's frustrating it's hard I, I know it really is but I just I am not going to spend any time today um, criticizing Scott Berry. I just I, I don't think that is um I don't think that's accurate honestly and Jeff you see just Jeff, Got his head on right. He says, "I don't blame the pitching the second game yesterday. I blame the second baseman who I feel really badly for." I hear you, man. I mean that that would have would have ended the game. And JP, I hear you. I mean, so so Misses bullpen did have less work than Louisiana Tech, but still the options are are just very limited at that point. You know, I mean, the guy that Scott Berry could have gone to, like I said, there, there's a reason that. He was available in this moment. It just—it just didn't work. It just—it just didn't work, and it sucks. It's hard. But if I'm Mississippi State or Ole Miss, who is likely getting Southern Miss as the two, I'm more mad than Southern Miss fans should be. I don't want to see them in my regional. Ooh. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We'll be right back. It is razor thin for Mississippi State. Worth noting that John Cohen's on the selection committee, although he will recuse himself when it involves Mississippi State. I wonder if that helps at all. I wonder if that helps at all. Mississippi State did get a nice break yesterday. With uh, Stanford losing to Oregon State. Now, they did win that series, but they did lose yesterday, so that helps some. Looking at these regional projections right now, Arkansas is going to be the number one overall seed opposite Louisiana Tech. That's where Southern Miss would have been. Uh, But Louisiana Tech has a brutal regional Florida State, LSU, and South Alabama, and there opposite Arkansas. Uh, Vanderbilt will be the number two overall seed opposite. Eugene, Oregon and the Presbyterian College Blue Hose get to see Kumar Rocker. So best of luck to the uh, the Blue Hose of Presbyterian. Tennessee will be the number 3 overall seed according to Baseball America opposite Florida. Texas will be the number 4 opposite East Carolina. TCU will be opposite Old Dominion who if you listen to the live stream on Friday I told you that this was a possibility. Old Dominion is going to be hosting a regional as the home team who earned a host in Columbia, South Carolina, with the Gamecocks as the two-seed. So when Old Dominion and South Carolina play each other, there will be 7,000 Gamecock fans there for a home game for Old Dominion. How'd that work out? They didn't put in a bid because that's you know, we're, we're merit-based and a team earns it, but yet they didn't put up uh, enough
1: of a financial package to earn a home game. Well, and if the so, whole point was to do these regional potential host sites ahead of time was really for COVID protocols and all that, and now most of those are out the window. So, I mean, I guess they can't retroactively do that, but that's not fair. They can do whatever they wanted. Right. I guess life isn't fair. They're, they're just it. choosing not to. I, I think that's crap, though, honestly. Um, find
0: a neutral site somewhere or, or something, then. Um, th- it's just insane. But South Carolina, even though they haven't earned it, are going to be hosting a regional in Columbia. So there's that. Uh, Arizona will be the sixth opposite old Miss, who will be blessed with Southern Miss as the two in their regional, according to Baseball America. North Carolina and Bryant. That's a tough one right there for Ole Miss. Notre Dame, uh, the 7 opposite Texas Tech, which is interesting at the 10. When you look at resumes, I don't know if Texas Tech has the 10th best resume, but we will see. Mississippi State, according to Baseball America, holding on to that number 8 seed opposite Stanford. Um got to look out for those two. I mean, I guess the selection is coming out today at some point, the regional hosts. Uh, Mississippi State and Texas Tech and Stanford, uh, they could go either way on any of those, and it would make sense and be justifiable. But the answer to the inevitable question of should Mississippi State's performance in Hoover you know, change their status as a host, no. Except for adding two more losses to RPI top 25 teams. But no, they should not say, well, Mississippi State won 20 and 10 in conference, but man, they stunk in Hoover, so we got to knock them down. No, it should not be looked at like that. In D1, Arkansas, the one. This is uh, as of yesterday, I think this is before though Southern Miss lost last night. D1 did have. Southern Miss hosting before that game last night. Um, Vanderbilt, the two. Gonzaga, the 15, according to D1. Texas, the three. East Carolina, the 14. Arizona, the four. Florida, the 13. Tennessee, the five. Ole Miss, the 12. That is interesting. Ole Miss would have Louisiana Tech, North Carolina, and SIMO, according to D1. Notre Dame, the six, opposite Oregon. TCU, the seven, opposite Texas Tech. Stanford, The 8. So D1 has Stanford passing Mississippi State, who would be the 9. So those are your regional
1: projections. Um, And I guess in that D1 projection, I guess you would just swap Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. So it seems like either way, and in both outlets, Southern Miss would be going to Oxford then. That's right,
0: yeah. Yep. Yep. They're going to either uh, Mississippi State or Ole Miss uh, because there's two ways to look at it. On one hand, Southern Miss fans, uh, it's an easy trip for you to go. And I think you'll get a lot of, I think it's 500 tickets or so. Um, So you get to have a nice little crowd there. It's an easy trip for the five, I think it's 500 of you. And then if some of you guys want to get tickets on the secondary market or something, then it's an easy trip. But on the other hand, I mean, it's like they put the same teams against each other every year. I mean, they really take the word regional into account sometimes. And I mean, in a non-COVID year, Southern Miss and Ole Miss and Mississippi State play every year. Every year. Don't you want to mix it up a little bit? If you were a Southern Miss fan, wouldn't you want to go, uh, you know, maybe to Gainesville instead of... Oxford, a place that you're probably familiar with, or Knoxville, or South Bend, or Fort Worth, or, you know, a, a a trip that you've never been on and a team that you've never played as opposed to, you know, getting on, what is it, 49, hitting Jackson, taking 55 over to 6, and then to Oxford? I mean, it, aren't you guys bored with that by now? I, just, I hate the way they do this. I, Mississippi State and Florida State are probably going to play each other in the regional because we can't not put them together for some reason. Mix it up a little bit. That's all I'm asking for. Just mix it up some. And Donald Oxford says, Don't forget John Cohen is on the selection committee. If you've ever listened to him in broadcast, he's a master of knowing the system and uh, the big. Only half that text has come in so far. So <laughs> The big what? Let's play Mad Libs. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to go black helicopter on you. I do think that these people take their jobs seriously. I do think that when it comes to Mississippi State, John Cohen will not be in the room to debate it. I also think they shouldn't choose that way. I don't think there should be a name attached to the resumes. Unless you want to bring in eye test. If you have two teams and you say, all right, these resumes are basically identical. Let's reveal them. They shouldn't pick with the big Mississippi State logo, the big Ole Miss logo, and Vanderbilt and whatever, they should, ha- they should make these selections blind unless they are virtually equal and then you bring in the eye test factor because while all these people take their job very seriously, I think, there's absolutely no shot they've watched all these teams. No shot. The football committee hasn't watched all the games that matter. And there's, I don't know if you noticed, A lot fewer of them. Only 12 weekends of games. They should do it completely blind. Because these people sitting in a room, they have, whether it's open or inherent or they don't know it, there are biases at play. Whether it be conferences or friends or previous places of employment, something. So just remove the logos and do it blind. Pick based on resume and resume only. How many wins? What's their record against top 25 teams? What's their strength of schedule? What's their record against 25 to 50 and 50 to 100? Give me that stuff. Pick teams that way. Because if you look at just resumes, Stanford doesn't belong in front of Mississippi State. If you look at just resumes Notre Dame has a bunch of wins right look at who they came against make their resume blind that's how it should be At least to me that's um, that's how it should be it's how the football committee should do it or they should actually watch all their games that's just me but like looking at Stanford here for example, Stanford's record. Against the RPI top twenty-five is eight and four. Quick math, that's twelve games total. Ole Miss has twelve wins against the RPI top twenty five. Ole Miss has more wins from twenty five to fifty. Ole Miss has a better record in literally everything. Everything over Stanford. RPI record against top 25, record against 25 to 50, record against 100 plus, everything. So why is Stanford going to be a national seed overall mess? What's the justification for that? I don't understand. Take the logos off, do it blind. It's the only way to get it right. 601879-4395 is the text line. And uh, we'll get to a couple of those next, and then look at the performances in Hoover. What can we actually take away from them? That's next. Donna Knoxford Oxford says check out Ole Miss's RPI against fifty-one to one hundred. You discussed it the other day. Comparing it to Stanford, Ole Miss is two and four, not good. Stanford five and three. Ole Miss against the top twenty-five has twelve wins or twelve and ten. Stanford eight and four. Ole Miss has seven wins against twenty-five to fifty. Stanford five. Stanford does have three more wins in a winning record. They're five and three against. 51 to 100. Ole Miss is 12 and 2, 100 plus to Stanford's 8 and 2. Ole Miss is perfect, 200 plus. Stanford's 7 and 3. Ole Miss played in a significantly more difficult conference as well. But it's narrow, but objectively, one resume is better than the other. One resume is a lot better than the other. Then looking at Mississippi State, for example, there are RPIs number seven. Now, I mean, Mississippi State clearly, to me, should be a national seed over Stanford. But the fact that they may not doesn't make sense to me.
1: Does not make sense to me. But that would be anyway. an eye test and kind of a recency bias thing if Stanford were to jump Mississippi State. Because all season long, Mississippi State looked like a national seed, and they still should be. But if you only look at the Missouri series and then what happened in the SEC tournament, then that's where the committee would probably yeah. try to have Stanford jump them. And there's something to that. So Mississippi State against the top 25 is 8-10. They
0: have not been good against the best teams they've played this year. They were good at, in week one in Arlington, and they beat Ole Miss at home. Otherwise, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, and the SEC tournament, not good. Uh, for Mississippi State at all but uh, 25 to 50 they're 5 and 1 51 to 100 they're 9 and 1 100 plus they're 9 and three or 10 and 3 and they're undefeated against 200 plus Mississippi State's resume line is better than Stanford's it's better than Stanford's but Stanford might get the national seed because cuz they're in California I, I mean that's not a concept that is foreign to this the Baseball Selection Committee. There's people that know more than I do have put out there over the years that they try to spread hosts around if they can justify it. So if Stanford does, in fact, get one over Mississippi State, and we'll find out in a few hours and maybe this whole conversation is useless, but if Stanford does get one over Mississippi State, looking at, their resume side-by-side. Side. There's only one reason I can come up with. Because they decided they're close enough, and one of them is in California, and we don't have many regionals out there. They've done it before. Uh, they could possibly possibly do it again. JP, here you go. He says, uh, I hear you there, Borky. They didn't lose a Pac-12 series, apparently. That's the only metric that matters for Stanford. The committee should not consider series wins and losses, in my opinion. And I don't think they have in the past. It should be your number of wins and number of losses and who they came against. That's just me. I keep saying that this morning. I've got to stop. What a bad crush that I've just developed. That's just me. Um, But I don't think they should look at it that way. Because if you play a schedule like Notre Dame's, well, yeah, you're going to rack up series wins. Of course you are. Now, flip Notre Dame and Arkansas's schedules and tell me how many series wins Notre Dame racks up then, you know? That's not something I'd look at. And uh, JP says, for the USM fan who said... I'd rather be a two-seed than host and be matched up with Fayetteville. I'm really happy for you and Coach Barry this morning. I'm done. <laughs> uh, JP, you're exactly right, man. You are exactly right. I, I mean, you would 1,000 times over rather host. Always, always, always. Uh, for your program, for your city. And, I mean, you're going to have to beat a great team in the Supers no matter what. Whether it be Arkansas or anybody else here. They're all good. Getting to a super regional, you're, you're going to play a great team. So you'd much rather host. You're,
1: exa- you're right, JP. I mean, that, that line of thinking I don't understand. Especially after a year with limited capacity for part yeah. of it, limited capacity for football, you want that, like you said, for your city especially. And on top of that, if Southern Miss now will not be hosting a regional, they have to go to freaking
0: Oxford to face Doug Nikhazy probably in game two. I mean, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a regional at home with a better chance at getting through it or not have to see Arkansas in the next week? But you're, if you win game one, you'll have to see Doug Nikhazy, who shut down SEC lineups all year in game two, and not get to a super at all. Well, I mean, your best chance at getting to Omaha, which is the ultimate goal, is to first get to a super regional. What's the easiest way to do that? host. I've, uh, actually, I've never seen that. (laughs) I hope that's just, uh, like, one guy you hang out with, JP, but anyway. Speaking of that, Mississippi State going into this postseason not playing well. Not playing well at all. And I talked about this some on Friday. I, I was able to because Mississippi State was already out, but I guess it depends on if you're an optimist or a pessimist or the truth lying somewhere in the middle. An optimist will tell you that while the Missouri series was awful, Mississippi State turned around and looked their best a week later against Alabama. They pitched it well. They didn't have an error, which is a huge deal for that team. And then they go to Hoover, and let's just say they didn't put their best foot forward in Game 1 in Hoover. Is that fair to say? I think so. They they didn't put their best foot forward in Game 1. That's putting it nicely. But in Game 2, McLeod, Bednar, and Sims all pitched and they got run-ruled. Those are your two weekend guys and your best bullpen arm, and they still got run-ruled. So two of the last three weeks of the season, teams played like crap. Looked disinterested. How much of that really matters here? And then on the flip side... Ole Miss went into Hoover, and you thought, yeah, I mean, they'll probably win with Doug Casey, but they don't have the pitching to win anything else. I've spent time on this show, on the live streaming, on the radio show, talking about Ole Miss's pitching issues and how they're going to have to slug their way through a regional because they don't pitch it well enough, and they get to Hoover, and Casey's good, and then Derek Diamond suddenly shuts down Vanderbilt, strikes out eight and five and a third against Vanderbilt, and then... McDaniel has 11 strikeouts in six and two-thirds against Georgia, a team that absolutely lit them up in Game 3 last week. And then Myers comes in, a guy that you never thought would have any shot at beating Vanderbilt. He gives up one run in seven innings and struck out six. And then Adcock, a guy that I had a friend text me and said, who is this kid, comes in and only gives up two earned and four and a third against the number one team in the country. So what does this mean? And the question was posed to me Friday. I said, it means nothing if they don't win next week. Hoover was a success for Ole Miss, a great success for Ole Miss, honestly. I mean, I know you'd rather win than lose. Losing isn't good. I'm not trying to tell you to be happy with losing. But when you consider the position the team was in going into this week and the way they played has got to be a massive confidence boost for the bullpen. Johnson was good. Broadway was good. Wes Burton, if you need him, was good. Doherty was good. This week for Ole Miss was a massive success. Completely opposite of Mississippi State. Completely opposite. You're concerned about the bats, some. They didn't hit the ball well this week. McCants, especially. That's the first time this year he's looked like a freshman. At the plate, anyway, he's got to communicate better in the outfield. My gosh, he's he's going to get Kevin Graham
1: killed. I think I feel like I've seen like four different times that they've run into each other this yeah. year. Um, he he looked like a freshman because he is, by the way. <laughs> I
0: mean, he looked like a freshman for the first time this week. But maybe getting back home will settle him in, and and they'll hit the ball a little bit better. But Hoover was a massive su- success for this team. Huge. Got to be a ma- a. a an incredible confidence boost. But when the question was asked Friday, all the fans that were critical of Mike Bianco and worried about this team, does does this shut that all up? And No. Not if they don't perform next week. Tell me what happens in the regional. Because if they don't win the regional,
1: nothing that just happened matters at all. Right. A couple of years ago, when they won the SEC tournament, that didn't absolve... Mike Bianco of any blame when they lost you know, in the regional. You know, yeah. It doesn't matter. No. Again, you go there, and if you win, that's great, and it's a title that you can celebrate. But if you don't roll it over into actual postseason success, then you're right. It means nothing. But if given the option, you
0: would much rather play the way the Rebels did this week. Pitching was a huge issue. They looked great. And we'll see if they can carry that over. And you got to give credit where it's due. All all that matters is this coming weekend. I'll say it a hundred times this week. All that matters is this weekend. But Mike Bianco pulled a lot of the correct managerial strings this week. They got a lot of momentum. A lot of momentum going into regional play. Mississippi State the exact opposite. We'll see how both teams respond in that one. It's Sports Sunday, 601-879-4395. Be right back. All right, so the D1 uh, projection, I actually uh, gave you an old one. They just updated it, and it's basically the same thing. Mississippi State, according to D1, will still hold on to that number eight, with Florida State as their two, South Alabama as their three, and oh, Southern University uh, will be the four. That, that still is crazy to me. That Jackson State can go undefeated in their conference. And because of a crazy run-through-the-fence, walk-off home run in the tournament, they're not going to play postseason baseball. Southern, who I believe has a losing record on the season, right? I can look that up for you. I believe they do. And I don't think their conference record is great either. Jackson State literally did not lose a conference game this year. And they don't get to represent their conference in the tournament. Southern is
1: 20-28. and 28. What's their conference record? Uh, Let's see. Hold on. I'll have to find out. It doesn't say here. it right at the top. It should. I'm looking on D1 baseball. Oh, I see. All right. Well, either way. Not good.
0: But they won one game. And because of that, Jackson State, who went undefeated, doesn't get to represent their conference in the NCAA tournament. I think it's crazy,
1: but it's how it is. Conference 13-11. and 11. So a winning record in a conference, winning. but barely.
0: 13-11 in conference when Jackson State went undefeated, and they get to represent. Anyway, uh, this has Stanford opposite Mississippi State with Army going to Stanford, UC Irvine, Nevada, and the Stanford Regional, and Ole Miss as the 10 opposite TCU, a team they beat earlier this year with Southern Miss, North Carolina, and Presbyterian. The Blue Hose get to go to Oxford this time. If Presbyterian goes to Oxford, Doug Nikhazy will not be pitching in Game 1, or should not be pitching in Game 1, at least. Um, let's do the resume comparison thing. So I already told you that Mississippi State's resume is better than Stanford, so I am absolutely okay with this. You know that I think that Ole Miss is a better resume than Stanford, so this doesn't make sense, but let's look at them and TCU, actually, who's going to be the seven, apparently, uh, according to D1 Baseball. TCU is number 6 in the RPI. That is better than Ole Miss by seven spots. TCU's record against the top 25, TCU has five fewer wins against the top 25 compared to that of Old Miss. TCU has the same number, basically the identical record from 25 to 50 as Old Miss. Here's the difference. TCU was 12 and 4 against 51 to 100, Old Miss is 2 and 4. That's crazy. It, that that's going to be the the deciding factor, but at least this one makes more sense. Now, being behind Stanford doesn't add up, but being behind TCU, even with the head-to-head, at least
1: is justifiable if you were to take the logos away. Does timing factor in for a head-to-head matchup, do you think? It shouldn't. Because like, since they played the first game of the season against each other, you know it's clearly two different teams from that point of the season to now. But, yeah, I don't know if the, uh, if the committee takes that part into, into account. Um, random note
0: here, a friend of mine just shared this um, on Twitter. McNeese State is going to play in the NCAA tournament somewhere. Uh, they won their conference tournament. And considering what they've been through, I mean, that university, the, the the town, everything, with the two hurricanes and then recent flooding where everything was just underwater again there, it's a cool story. You love to see that. I did find it funny, though. Speaking of, of D1, I won't say his name because he's good to us and, and always comes on our, our weekday show. But there was somebody at D1 that wrote that Ole Miss had to get to Sunday in Hoover to maybe become a host and buddy. That was never accurate, and they didn't get to today. Let me. Let me check the uh, the calendar here. No Ole Miss is not playing today, and they're gonna be around the number ten overall
1: seed. <laughs> Nailed that one. That series win over Vanderbilt absolutely sealed it. After it that, gone. there was no question. It was it was completely done.
0: What do you think though? Going into this weekend, Steven, uh with the way the two teams have played, with the way things went down in Hoover, does that change
1: expectations or should it change expectations? I don't necessarily think it does. Um, I I try to look at the big picture. And like I said earlier, all season long, Mississippi State looked like a national seed team, and I think that will continue. And Ole Miss, while I was really impressed by the pitching over the weekend, I haven't seen it now really more than once from guys not named Doug Nikhazy. So I have to continue to see that, and I guess the proof will be in the pudding this weekend for the regional. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a
0: fast first hour. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Somebody asking if state is going to make it to the regionals. Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I think they. Uh, you know they might be on the bubble, but uh, I think they may slip in. No. Um, state's probably going to be a national seed. So. Oh yeah, they're definitely going to make it to the uh, to the regionals for sure. Hour number two coming up. I've got an Aaron Rodgers thought that I want to get to at some point in the next hour as well. Six zero one 4395 We'd love to have you. I didn't realize a lot of people have the day off tomorrow, but uh, not us, not here. No, it's uh, Selection Monday. The field of 64 will be filled out in total tomorrow I will uh, go live on the stream immediately after the field gets announced. And, of course, we'll do radio tomorrow. Today, it's all about just projections and stuff like that. But I did see something over the... I'm glad Stephen brought this up. Because I defended Aaron Rodgers at the initial trade request. I did. I still agree with his desire to go somewhere else. He got to see Tom Brady uh, in a... Going towards a breakup in New England. Go somewhere where he has more say in the personnel matters, and then he won a Super Bowl. We got to witness that with his own two eyes. And he's in Green Bay, and they're not even giving him a heads-up that they're going to draft his replacement a year before he wins an MVP. They have not drafted him a first-round wide receiver. They haven't. They they give him and pro- have provided him no help. And before he's on the end of his prime, they draft his replacement, who's not ready to play
1: quarterback in the NFL. So I get it. Even their GM said that recently. Yeah. He said he's got a long way to go, which is not what Aaron Rodgers would want to hear. You know, if you took a guy that was Trevor Lawrence and he was this generational talent that they couldn't pass up, whatever. But if you trade up... To pick a guy that, after his rookie season, you say he's not even close, then that just had to make him even more angry. Yeah. So
0: I get all that. It, all, it makes sense. I would do the same thing if I were him. But this whole situation with being in Hawaii with his fiancée who doesn't like football and like has never been to a game, I mean, that whole weird deal breaking up with Danica Patrick, and then suddenly he's engaged to this person that nobody knew that he was affiliated with. And during OTAs, he looks like he's lost 30 pounds, and he's hanging out in Hawaii with hair down to his shoulders, just kind of taunting his teammates. And now, I know at the end of the day, it's a job, right? That's what pro football is. It's a job. But as a quarterback, especially as a quarterback, but... It's not your teammates' fault that you don't like the front office. It's not your teammates' fault that the organization drafted Jordan Love. And while they're working, they're in Wisconsin, and they're putting work in, even though there's been this sideshow involving you and trade requests and all that. You're hanging out on Jeopardy, and you're going to Hawaii when everybody else on your team is working. Holdouts aren't uncommon. Guys do it. I support, at least to some degree, the power that the players have to get better contracts and stuff. I would do the same thing if I had leverage. He's got some leverage. So, that's fine. But acting like this, hanging out in Hawaii with my Miles Teller, who's a decent enough actor... And getting him punched in the face. And having all of that play out on social media. Like some millennial who works in marketing for a company you've never heard of. If I were Green Bay, I, deal him. Be done with it. Be done with it. Or if you're Rogers, you're acting like a child right now. That's what kids do. That's what, after a guy or a girl or a guy breaks up with their little girlfriend after nine months of dating, on and off dating, and you guys break up and you're really sad, but you go on Instagram and you show everybody how happy you are. Look, I'm at the beach. This is so much fun. It, th- this is what children do. What you should be doing is getting ready for a season like the rest of your teammates are. Or if you're not gonna go to OTAs, if you're gonna hold out, maybe don't post a bunch of crap on social media. Don't don't taunt people that are not responsible for
1: this. And you could have gone to Hawaii the week before or the week after OTAs, chose to do it right during OTAs, which to your point, that's intentional. It, that's this I'm is all gonna, intentional. Right. That's I'm gonna go during this specific time. And show how much fun I'm having. And during a holdout, you know, you usually get the sense that guys are still working out. They're still in tune with what's going on. They've just got a money situation that they've got to figure out. Whatever. Get your money. That's fine. But in this instance, you're doing the exact opposite. He, like you said, it looks like he lost 20 to 30 pounds and he's hanging out in Hawaii. No part of that says, I'm ready to play football. And if you're a team that wants to trade for him, obviously you're still going to because he's Aaron Rodgers. And yeah, you- I, I mean, if the Saints wanted to trade for him tomorrow, I'd jump up and down and right. scream. But but it doesn't, I don't know, there's no guarantee that when he gets to whatever that new franchise is that he's going to love your GM or love the way that you guys operate. So when you see him acting like this, you know that's, that's always a possibility with him. And he's yeah. such an odd guy to try to read that this just adds another layer to that. He's acting like a spoiled child, is how he's acting with this.
0: Some guys don't go to OTAs. I understand it. Certainly. Alvin Kamara held out from the Saints to get a new contract. But you know where he was during the holdout? He was in New Orleans. The day he signed his deal, he was on the practice field, ready to go. And apparently, he had been working out in part with some input from team trainers. Like he was there, they were just negotiating. And the second that was done, he was on the practice field, ready to go. Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston right now is in California working out with some of his receivers. Well, I guess they, they've started OTAs recently, but the week leading up to OTAs, he was working. You know Brady's working. You you know Brady is somewhere working. That's what he does. And he had off-season knee surgery, and he's still working. You know he's working. Dak Prescott's in Dallas right now. Does Dak does not have to be at OTAs right now. He's coming off surgery. He's the starter. But what is he doing? He's working. This is what, right here, a text on the text line, high school girls do that. That's exactly right. They, they go through a breakup with their little boyfriend, so they go to Instagram and tell everybody how happy they are. That's what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He, he broke up with, with his high school love, and now he's on Instagram trying to convince everybody that he's happy. What he should be doing is getting ready for a season, working out trying to make this situation better. And if you're demanding a trade, that's okay. That's fine. It happens. Take Russell Wilson, for example. Russell Wilson gave his team destinations he wanted to get traded to. It didn't happen, though, did it? He's going to be in Seattle this year. What did Russell Wilson do? He acted like a man. He acted like a professional, and he went back to work. And he's going to have a really good team in Seattle this year, too. A really good one. You know what Brady did and has done in Tampa? He's lobbied with his front office. Hey, get me. I need Gronk. Get me Gronk. I know Antonio Brown's a head case, but guys, trust me. I I can take care of him. Let me get a wide receiver. What, What a mature person does, what a leader does, what a quarterback does, is... Goes to the front office that he's not happy with and says, Guys, either trade me, but if you don't, we're going to win. And here's how we're going to win. Mend the relationship. That's what Wilson did. And Seattle's going to contend for a Super Bowl. And he wanted out. His agent gave a list of destinations he wanted to get traded to. The Seahawks fielded offers for him. None of them were good enough, but they listened. I don't know this for sure. I'd be willing to bet my house that the Saints were one of the teams that inquired. So you had player, unhappy with coach, unhappy with GM. Player give trade request player willing to talk with and engage with coach and GM. Apparently the dust has settled, and they're going to go win some football games. That's what a man does. Aaron Rodgers is acting like a high school boy. I'd still take him in a heartbeat, but... Yeah, all that to say that. All that to say that the the Saints should... um, Should put a call in, but this is just, it's just silly. And be your attention hound. That's what he is. Get off Instagram and get to work. Because maybe your team is unhappy with you, too. Maybe that's why they drafted Jordan Love. Maybe you're part of the issue. I don't know. Sports Sunday, six zero one We'll be right back. Text line is open, six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. We get one that says, they did him dirty. You'd do the same if you had his money. Oh. I thought I said that if I were him, I would also have requested a trade. Because, hey, I, I mean, you're right. It, drafting Jordan Love... Did not make any sense at all. It didn't make sense. Rogers acting blameless in all this, though, is a little, I think, I find that a little disingenuous. And if you are requesting a trade, don't act like a scorned high school lover in the process. Just don't show up to OTAs. H- have your agent let them know he's not coming. But to Not show up to OTAs, which is fine if they don't go. It's not something he's ever done before. But to do that and then have your buddy Miles
1: getting punched in the face while you're hanging out in Hawaii. Tell me that story. I had not heard that. So there's two versions of this story. They were at a restaurant and then apparently Miles Teller got punched in the bathroom while he was in there. And then there was a, re- a report that came out that it was because he owed this guy $60,000 because he was a wedding planner in Hawaii, and that's where him and his wife got married. Then his wife came out and said, no, that's not what happened. He basically just got jumped, and two guys punched him in a bathroom and then ran away. So, not sure what, <laughs> what the real story is there, but uh, again, it, just more drama around Aaron Rodgers. In my experience in life, rarely... Do people
0: just randomly get punched in the face? Now, it does happen. It has happened before. If I had to venture a guess, though, two guys in Hawaii did not find Miles Teller in a bathroom, randomly decide to punch him in the face, and then run away.
1: Yeah, that would seem a little
0: odd. Those two stories, which one is more likely... (laughs) If I had to guess, it's not the random guys punched him in the face and ran away thing. But either way, uh, that's more of what I'm talking about. It's not that he asked for a trade. It's not that he didn't show up to OTAs. It's what he's doing in the meantime. But I don't know. I I may not have worded that well. You did. I just I saw what Russell Wilson did,
1: and that to me is is what a leader does. Uh, That's that's what maturity is. I think that's the best point there, is that there is a similar situation going on with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and you see how it was handled in Seattle and now how it's being handled by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And because this isn't something that, that popped up overnight. And that's why people were mad with how Adam Schefter reported it, because he basically just said, "Eh, I feel like reporting this on draft day because it's something that he's been hearing for a long time. And so if you know that this relationship is souring, at some point, you have to sit down in a room together and say, "Let's figure this out," because we can't keep going at this pace. And you know, the Packers haven't done that, and that's their fault. Also, Aaron Rodgers hasn't approached them to do the same. Instead, he just doesn't talk to anyone and says passive-aggressive things right after they get eliminated by the Bucks in the NFC Championship game and then goes to Hawaii. So, and both sides and they are joke about it on Jeopardy. Right. Because so, communication is a two-way street. Yep.
0: It's, um, and I'll use another example because what gets rewarded, what, what gets rewarded in life? What When you're pitching a fit and carrying on and yelling and screaming, does that get rewarded or, or when you approach somebody with any kind of care, which one gets rewarded? I'll use another example. Um, it'll be an NBA example. So call me a commie, um. New Orleans went through a regime change. Um, They ownership basically fired everyone in the front office and completely started over after they couldn't get it done uh, with Anthony Davis. But the new general manager and, and president of the team tried to convince Anthony Davis to stay. He didn't want to do that. He went through the whole public trade request with Rich Paul and... Minutes restrictions and not playing and really kind of acting like a clown through it all. And he even wore a shirt on his last day on the bench because he didn't play in his last game in New Orleans that said, that's all, folks, because he handled it like a child. Drew Holiday requested a trade from the same team because of turnover. He did it privately. He did it without his agent leaking it to ESPN. And it went seamless. It was perfect. And now, anytime Anthony Davis returns to New Orleans, he's hated. Miserable. And for whatever it's worth, it may not be worth anything to you, but the way he handled it was childlike. It was immature. And he's criticized for it. Should be. When he returns to a place that he played seven years, he gets the boo-bird treatment. Drew Holiday is going to get his jersey retired. They did the same thing. They did the same. They both requested a trade from the same place, basically at the same time. One of them did it publicly, wouldn't play, acted like a child. The other one handled it like a man, did it privately, got sent to a contender, and he will be beloved by the city forever. He got what he wanted. It was handled faster, it was handled under the table. He got what he wanted. He wants to go win a title because he's older. That's why he wanted out. It, his timeline was different. He's older. He wants to go win. So he does it privately. Doesn't disrupt a team. Doesn't ruin a season. Handles it like a man. Same issue. Same result. Different feeling. Because of how one approached it versus the other. And I think you're exactly right. Rodgers and Buffalo is a Super, Super Bowl contender. Rodgers, basically anywhere, is a Super Bowl contender. He's a hell of a player. I mean, like I said, with all this stuff, all the criticism I've got for him, I would want him in New Orleans tomorrow. (laughs) Whatever he's done in Hawaii, send him on down to the Big Easy and get him a house in Uptown, and he and Cheyenne Woolley or whatever can do whatever they like to do in their spare time just in New Orleans because he turns the Saints into a Super Bowl contender next year.
1: Am I crazy for, for thinking that Baker Mayfield is a better fit with the Browns and I wouldn't necessarily trade for Aaron Rodgers? Am I an idiot for saying that? Or am I just a loyal fan? Um, you're probably crazy. Okay. I accept that.
0: But here's the thing about Cleveland, though. If they're, if they're going to trade for Rodgers, what are you giving up? If it's just draft picks, okay.
1: Oh, Okay but i don't know if i'd disrupt that roster that's that's my thought i think this group gels really well together i think they've got a chemistry brewing that has a chance to really lead to something and i think if you blow that up to go get a quarterback who again just won an mvp but is on the you know backside of his career you know do you risk it to do that and to me the answer would be no But the Saints are in a much different place. You have a guy that could throw 50 touchdowns. He could throw 50 interceptions. You don't know what side of the bed he's going to wake up on. So the Saints, it definitely makes sense to do. JP says if you're LeBron James, you get rewarded for that behavior in life. He has, but
0: I, I, I think, I mean, when you look at production, LeBron has produced I mean, at a level that is hard to fathom. He's 17 years into his career, and look at the kind of stuff he's doing on a nightly basis. It's unbelievable as a player. But he's not going to be looked at, at least in the short term, in admiration. And I I hate the Jordan comparisons. I'm not going to do which one's better. But remember when Michael Michael Jordan still to this day is the best-selling shoe in basketball. How old is he? 54? 50, yeah. I was going to say early He's in his 50s. 50s. He still sells the be- the highest percentage of shoe sales come from Jordan. Oh, he's 58. He's 58 years old. He sells more shoes than anybody else still in basketball. University loved, beloved. Even Brady, who's got his share of haters, it's not like what you see with LeBron. LeBron is more polarizing and hated, and a lot of that, I'm not talking about politics, a lot of that has to do with the one-year contracts in Cleveland, you better win right now this year or else I'm gone, see ya, the super team he formed in Miami with the decision, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, just going to Los Angeles and getting a coach fired and just shipping off young players who have not been given a chance to develop just because it's what he likes to do. That kind of stuff is not going to be looked at favorably, and that has led to a lot of discontent. He's as great of a player as any player that's ever existed in the NBA. And if you don't believe me, look at the numbers, especially in clutch time. He's the best clutch player maybe in history from percentages. Shots taken, shots made, with the game on the line, under two minutes left, nobody's been better than LeBron. But he's, to a lot of people, not going to be remembered that way. And he's not going to have 58-year-old LeBron selling out more shoes than anybody else in the NBA. He's not going to be looked at that way. And I think in part, it's because of how he's handled situations like this. I'm going to say it again. That's just me. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. So there's been an interesting thing going on in Major League Baseball. I don't know if it's interesting or not. In fact, the popularity, not popularity, the uh, excitement of Major League Baseball is kind of going down right now. The number of good things that happen in a baseball game, hits, exciting plays, whatever, is going down because... Guys are striking out a lot. We are probably going to break a Major League record in strikeouts. League batting average is around 230. And you've got at least one team that is hitting under the Mendoza line. No hitters are up pretty significantly. That will probably be a record for most no hitters in a season coming. It's not been good. And I was just watching a breakdown from uh, from John Boyd a guy that was a wedding photographer and big Yankees fan and started making videos on YouTube, and he's really part of what exposed the Astros cheating scandal. He noticed it and started making videos about it. Now he has his own media company, and they cover baseball. He does a really good job. Um, kind of outlined what's the, the latest scandal in baseball because they just can't get enough of them. And it's simple cheating. Foreign substances on the baseballs. And that's something we talked about a little bit last week, I think, or at least it was in the show notes. We probably didn't get to it because nothing in the show notes has actually gotten
1: to. Um, And Stephen feels that now, too. We wasted a bunch of time today. We get to most of the interesting stuff, which is good. There is
0: apparently, very clearly... An inability to stop pitchers from putting foreign substances on the ball. There was the combination of rosin and sunscreen. But at this point, apparently, it's gotten so bad that players' hands are sticking to the ball. John Boyd, in this breakdown that I was watching, said that some players in the dugout can hear the ball separating from the glove. It's that sticky, and nothing is being done about it. I, I'm not uh, an MLB purist. Some of my things that would, quote, fix baseball, uh, people wouldn't like. For example, I think the shift should be banned. That would lead to more hits. More hits leads to more exciting baseball. But some of you would counter that, and I'm not going to really you know, engage in an argument with that because to each their own, at least in terms of that. That is the game, after all. Learn to hit it opposite way. That's just part of the game. That's not cheating. That's like, in football, putting nine men in the box against a team that can't throw. It's part of the game. Learn how to throw the ball. Get a better quarterback. Sorry. So I get that one. But you you really want to help baseball? If you stop making it so easy for pitchers to strike people out, especially when they're able to
1: cheat, basically at will. It's hard enough to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or a slider that's coming at you at 92. There's no need to allow pitchers that advantage to make it even easier to strike these guys out. Hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. So don't make it easier for the pitchers to make baseball more boring. I mean, he he had multiple examples.
0: Um, Current player saying, yeah. Shoot, I've done it. I do the sunscreen rosin thing. I mean, those are two substances that are technically not illegal, but when you combine them, it technically is. But how can you prove that you're combining it? I'd put sunscreen on my arms. Cause I don't want to get sunburned. Then I'll slap some rosin on my hand and then touch my arm and boom, I can pitch with a higher spin rate. But apparently that I mean that's old news. It's it's easier now. It's stickier stuff. And you're starting to see pitches that are impossible to hit and impossible to throw without something on their hands or or glove. The enforcement of this, I mean, I think is probably pretty simple, right? They decided after the Astros scandal to have somebody in the dugouts, right, to make sure that teams aren't relaying signals via closed-circuited camera feed. Have somebody in the dugout... That every time the pitcher goes to the mound, touches his hands and glove.
1: Show me your hands, just before you go out. Show me your hands. That's all. I guess that's something like sunscreen, though. You know, it's on the back of my neck or whatever. It's on my arm. Yeah. You can't. A-
0: apparently, that you know, that's one of those things that you probably just can't avoid, and that's okay. But the stuff where the ball, where uh, one player said he was in the on deck circle and there was a foul ball hit, and he picked up the ball and it stuck to his hand.
1: When you're using, like, a glue or anything, that's when it's gone way too far. Yeah. So, have somebody, and the pitcher has to put his
0: glove next to this person. So, to avoid checking the glove every inning, just have this quality control person. You have sideline officials in football. This isn't that foreign of a concept. Just somebody in the dugout that's a representative of Major League Baseball. They can afford it. That sits there, and the pitcher comes in and puts his glove and a cubby next to this guy. And before he goes out of the dugout to take the mound, show me your hands. If that's what has to be done, that's what has to be done. Because the fact that they are so easily getting away with baseballs that are sticking to guys' hands when it's hit foul, no wonder the Mariners are below the Mendoza
1: line. No wonder the league average is 230. No wonder the, there's so many no-hitters. The Tampa Bay Rays have struck out 565 times in 53 games. <laughs> That's insane. So of the 27 outs, they aver-
0: 10 of those are strikeouts per game.
1: Yeah. That's... What is that, 40%? Uh... Wow, you hit me with a percentage. I couldn't do that in my head that quickly. But... Yeah, I know it's like an average of 10, almost 11 strikeouts a game. Who wants to see that? No one. Who wants to see that? And they're a good team. They're a really good team, aren't they? Like, first or second in their division. Yeah, better than better than people thought they were going to be. After they kind of sold off some pieces after making it to the to the World Series last year. And yeah, they're in first place in the AL East. And they strike out give or take forty percent of the time, yeah, no one wants to watch a good team be bad if that makes sense. if your good teams are bad, then you know why are people gonna tune in? No one goes to those games anyway in Tampa, but if you're gonna watch it on t v there's no reason to
0: uh. How many sports would be better if we just enforced rules, like flopping in the NBA? If Another we, reason why LeBron won't
1: be looked on favorably. Ah,
0: yep. oh, man, there was one the other night. I mean, my gosh, you're two, you're six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds. Come on, man. What we need to do when that happens is slap a technical on him. I mean it, it's embarrassing? Give technical fouls for flopping, and you'll end it. Just enforce a rule. In baseball, you want spin rates
1: that aren't 3,500? Make sure they can't put glue in their glove. which That one sounds way easier to enforce. Yeah. Because a flop, you can say, no, nah, my ankle actually hurts, or whatever. He poked me in the eye. Whatever it is, that's a little harder because that's objective. But if you look at someone's glove, and there's something in it that's not supposed to be there... I don't know necessarily what the penalty would be for that, but you can much more clearly identify and define what that is. College sports. You guys know
0: my stance on that. If they just enforced the rules, playing field would be at least a little bit more level. Wake Forest could maybe get a kid from North Carolina. Instead of Alabama going up in there and taking him. In part, because Wake Forest doesn't have the... Um, willingness of wealthy people to do what needs to be done to get really good players from other places. All we got to do is enforce rules. Sports would be better if we did.
1: That's why I don't like the argument that... Name, image, and likeness is going to create, you know, this kind of free agency style of recruiting in college football. It already exists, so now you're just you're bringing it above board. Yeah, so that, I, I've never liked that argument against NIL. Here's a great example of why name, image, and likeness is important. The Ole Miss women's golf team just won a national
0: championship. You think they wouldn't be able to benefit from that if they were allowed to? It's not just about football players. It's about Julia Johnson. I think somebody, old Miss fan in Oxford, who's got a young girl that's really interested in golf, they should be able to give Julia Johnson money to teach their little girl how to play. Who better than a national champion right in your backyard? That's why I support it. It's not the football players. It's people like Julia Johnson. She's a star for a little while. She should be able to benefit from that. Final thoughts with you next. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. 879 4395 forty three ninety-five. Six 879 4395 is the text on a bunch of these to get to before we wrap up. MLB is doing it to shorten games. Time slot they give into everything.
1: Another message. I'd rather watch a longer, entertaining game than a shorter one where nothing happens. Right. Then I just won't watch. Yeah. So what? It's a shorter game, but if I'm not seeing anything that's worth coming back for, then there's no reason for that. Another one says, I like defensive baseball, but I didn't realize this is why it's been so
0: good this year. It, I mean, pitching's been improving for a while. I mean, you've got college kids that are throwing 100 miles an hour. I, I mean, it, we have evolved greatly. Over the last few years. I mean, there's more of a hyper-focus in the youth level as well. Um, Teams are instead of riding one guy to the eighth and bringing in a closer, you've got three or four pitchers pitching in games so they can maximize velocity and spin rate, stuff like that as well. I mean, it's not just substances on the ball, but it's happening, and it is leading to players noticing and Pitching being even more difficult to hit right now in the league as a whole uh, is seeing fewer and fewer hits, more and more strikeouts, and that, to me, is not good for the long-term health of the game. Dave Ripley says, how about getting rid of that commissioner for the boneheaded decision in Atlanta? How's that striking out? Nailed it. Nailed it with the pun. Um, Yeah, I mean, he he was a problem before the... The thing in Atlanta, I mean, he handled the Astros situation pathetically. Absolutely terribly. Um, Just even things like social media. Everybody talks about star marketing in baseball. It's awful. I mean, it's it's just terrible. Um, Limiting what people were able to post on social media. The blackout rules in baseball are just nonsense. I mean, Oxford, Mississippi is blacked out from Reds games. What? They blacked out games during COVID. Games that you couldn't go to, you were still blacked out from. That's insane. The negotiating that's going on with Bally Sports and Sinclair, it's just a, it's a nightmare. Sports, like baseball, I mean, viewership is really good. Every sport, including the NBA, is up over their 2019 year. Every single one, if you can believe it. But baseball's got problems, man. It's stuff like this. Players are, are, are openly altering the baseballs, and nothing's happening to them. It's crazy. Quintus, have a great weekend, fellas. Man, uh, glad to hear from you, as always. I know you're pretty excited about uh, the future of LSU baseball with Palmineri being gone. They're going big fish hunting, or big game hunting, that's for sure. Apparently, uh, Kevin O'Sullivan addressed the rumors today. I-, I love when media reports that as if it's gospel. Well, hey, this coach, who's in the middle of his season and in no way would agree to anything right now, said that he's not interested in a really good job that you know he's taking calls for. So, case closed. Like Kevin O'Sullivan, what's he supposed to say? Yeah, I'm interested in
1: LSU. Have you heard what they're going to pay me? What better way to motivate your team in the postseason than saying, Hey guys, I'm looking at this other job. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to host a regional in Gainesville. team's playing pretty good ball
0: right now. But have you heard what they're going to pay me? No. Of course he's going to deny it. I mean... Just like last summer when Clemson Media was convinced that Dabo Swinney would never leave Clemson for the Houston Texans. <sighs> Come on, guys. J.P. St. Porky, content-rich week ahead of you, or are you taking tomorrow morning off? No, sir. I don't, I don't take any days off. Are you kidding me? And Jeb in Kemper County, how about my Rebels? Will they still host a regional? Yes, sir. Yes, Ole Miss will be hosting a regional. This weekend in Oxford, Mississippi State, will be hosting a regional this weekend in Starkville, and it's very, very likely that Southern Miss will be in one of those two places. Who they will be playing, we don't know. Where they're seated, we don't know just yet, but we will know uh, soon enough. Exciting time.
1: And uh, summer is almost here. And my last show as a non-married man. So I I won't join everyone next Sunday, but big weekend next weekend for me. Seems getting married. Unless she leaves me at the altar, then I also won't be married next Sunday, and I'll be here. So uh, The best part, I mean, people say everything changes. No, it won't. Not with, with your guys set up. Nothing's going to change. Nah. We've been together for eight years. If anything changes, then... We both did a great nah, job man. of hiding our crazy tendencies from the other. Yeah, n- nothing's <laughs> changing for the two of you. That's a good thing, by the way. Yes,
0: it absolutely is. Yeah. Quinn, I agree with you. Don't, don't read the quotes from the coaches you're referencing because they're going to get asked about it and they're going to deny it, but they're interested. They are interested. I would be. It's the best job in America. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next week.